RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Aaron Tam. Tonight's headlines. 16 district councillors have been disqualified after authorities said the oaths they took were invalid. People must use the Leave Home Safe app to enter government buildings starting from next month. And Louise Ho has been appointed as the new Commissioner of Customs and Excise. The government has disqualified 16 district councillors from the Western New Territories, saying the oaths of allegiance they took two weeks ago were invalid. Vicky Wong reports. In a statement, the government said it decided to strip the 16 councillors of their seats after considering their written replies and all the relevant information. Among those unseated was former Democratic Party lawmaker Roy Kwong from Yunlong District Council, which lost eight members in total. Chunwan, Chunmun, Kuaiting and Islands District Councils each lost two councillors. The government said Councillor Chan Mei-lin from Yunlong was asked to provide additional information regarding her oath, but she resigned a few days later. A total of 68 district councillors took the oath that day and 51 councillors kept their seats. This was the fourth and final batch of district councillors to take the oath. This means a total of 49 district councillors have been unseated due to invalid oaths. More than 260 district councillors have resigned in recent months. Hong Kong authorities say from next month it will be mandatory for many people to use the Leave Home Safe app to enter government buildings or offices. Wang Yunting has details. Up until now, visitors to government sites have been able to either check in with the Leave Home Safe app or fill in their contact details on paper. But the government says from next month, its app will be compulsory for most people. In general, exemptions will only be granted to those under 12 or over 65, as well as people with disabilities who would have difficulties in using the app. Simply not being willing to use Leave Home Safe won't be a good enough reason to be let off, the government says. A spokesman says they've noticed that some people going for the paper option have been writing down fake contact details and this has undermined contact tracing efforts. Anyone doing this, the spokesman warns, could end up being prosecuted. Hong Kong's new Commissioner of Customs and Excise, Louise Ho, says she's making safeguarding national security her top priority. She says this includes things like tackling the threat posed by smuggling. Here's Timmy Sung. Addressing reporters on her first day in the job, Louise Ho vowed to safeguard national security and prevent terrorism. She said the number of guns and helmets seized at the border has dropped, but her officers will be on alert for people using soft resistance to spread messages endangering national security through books, magazines or everyday items. We proactively uh, collect intelligence on the possible contraband, And uh, I think uh, at this moment we... We cannot, cannot say any definite product, but uh, we should alert to the situation that uh, not only for uh, firearms and ammunition, for weapons and also strategic commodities, we should also pay attention, special attention to those products who, uh, which may uh, impose threats on the national security. The new commissioner also said she expects customs officers to take the initiative to prevent, curb and punish acts that may endanger national security, citing the recent seizure of Australian lobster as an example. She says on the face of it, it was just the smuggling of some lobsters. But actually, the activities undermined China's trade restrictions on Australia and the matter was therefore a national security issue.
Ms. Ho also says Customs has set up a new internal platform to help staff learn more about how they can safeguard national security. Hong Kong's unemployment rate has dropped from 4.7% to 4.5% in July to September period, the lowest since the COVID-19 pandemic began last year. The underemployment rate, meanwhile, edged down slightly to 2.1%. To the weather forecast, it will be cooler and cloudy with a few rain patches. The minimum temperature tomorrow morning will be about 18 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees lower in the new territories. The maximum temperature will be around 20 degrees during the day. Forecasters say it will still be cool on Saturday morning. The weather will improve early next week with temperatures rising during the day. The temperature now is 20 degrees and the humidity is 75%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is 5 minutes past 11. Lawmakers have passed a bill that will ban the sale of e-cigarettes and heated tobacco products. As Jimmy Choi reports, the new legislation will also ban the import, manufacture, distribution and advertising of such smoking products in the SAR. The government stressed the legislation is necessary to protect people's health as the e-cigarettes and heated tobacco products contain harmful substances. In the end, 32 lawmakers supported the bill, three voted against and there were two abstentions. Liberal Party's Shou Ka-Fai, who had been campaigning against the bill, questioned whether it was sensible for the government to ban heated tobacco products. He said the legislation would deprive adult smokers of the option to switch to what he described as less harmful products. Health Secretary Sophia Chan, for her part, thanks lawmakers for their support and said the government is committed to further lowering the city's smoking rate to 5%. We will review our current tobacco control policies and we will focus our work on two aspects. One is to expand our non-smoking areas so that we can further protect people from uh, exposure to secondhand smoke. And second is the uh, smoking cessation. We would try our very best to strengthen smoking cessation and also capitalize on the newly developed or newly set up district health center or district health center express uh, in the community. Professor Chan said the bill will take effect six months later. Doctors trained outside Hong Kong have been given the green light to practice in Hong Kong without the need to first take a local licensing exam. As Francis Sitt reports, the Legislative Council passed the amendment to the medical registration bill despite opposition from the local medical sector. The government's amendments aim to address concerns over a shortage of medical practitioners in the city by providing a pathway for those trained outside Hong Kong to obtain full registration here. Currently, non-locally trained doctors can only apply for full registration if they pass the local licensing exam. Alternatively, they can work at a public health care institution under limited registration, which needs to be renewed every three years. The amendments provide three new pathways to full registration. This includes opening the door to non-permanent residents with specialist qualifications, including those from the mainland, to work in public hospitals. They will be eligible for full registration after working for at least five years at a public healthcare institution. 
The qualifications will need to be from one of at most 100 non-local medical schools. This list will be compiled by a special registration committee. Speaking after the bill was passed, Health Secretary Sophia Chen said she hopes members of the special registration committee could be announced by the end of this month. Before the vote, medical sector lawmaker Pia Chen said the changes hamper procedural justice and undermine professional autonomy for his profession. But he conceded that it was not possible for him to block the bill under the current political reality. He spoke through an interpreter. The interests of the patients and professional autonomy have been ignored. The requirement to pass a licensing examination is not exclusive to Hong Kong. Most doctors were against the idea not out of protectionism, but out of concern how Hong Kong's healthcare standards can be maintained. Under the accelerated approach, the government launched this legislative exercise. They did not trace the root of the problem, and they are jeopardizing the effective examination system. Rome wasn't built in one day, but it can be destroyed quickly. But other lawmakers accuse doctors of trying to safeguard only their own interests, saying the government's plan can tackle the city's shortage of doctors. Some, like Liberal Party's Tommy Cheung, were more worried that not enough doctors will be attracted by the scheme. He said if more doctors come to work here, hopefully the working environment in public hospitals could improve. Organizers of this weekend's Hong Kong Marathon have stressed that they have zero tolerance for any breaches of the law, saying there is no place in sporting events for any politics or slogans. Here again is Francis Sitt. The clarification comes in a statement after lawmakers took issue with an earlier comment by Marathon Organizing Committee Chairman William Cole that there will be no restrictions on what runners can wear and he had seen no problem with slogans such as Hong Kong at oil. The statement said there's been a misunderstanding and runners are strongly requested to abide by the law at Sunday's race. The Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates would like to emphasize that political elements and slogans should not be included in sports events, the statement says. We strongly advise runners to respect the official rules and to ensure the event takes place in an orderly manner. The association says anyone who violates the law or breaches the rules will be barred from participating in the event, and if needed, the organizers will seek assistance from the police. The statement asks that organizers strongly condemn anyone who uses the marathon as a platform for conveying and promoting political messages. A man has been charged in the stabbing of a UK Conservative lawmaker who was killed as he met constituents at a church hall last week. Authorities say a 25-year-old British man with Somali heritage has been charged under the Terrorism Act in the death of David Amos. Matt Jukes is the Assistant Commissioner for Specialist Operations for the Metropolitan Police. Ali Harby Ali, aged 25 and from North London, has been charged with murder. It remains the case that no other arrests have been made and at this time we are not seeking anybody else in relation to this incident. There has been considerable speculation in the media about the background, history and motivation of the man now charged. I understand the interest in these questions and of course they form part of our investigation. 
Britain and New Zealand have agreed on a trade deal that eliminates tariffs on a wide range of goods as the UK expands economic links around the world following Brexit. Britain hopes it will help open the door toward membership in the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. The deal was cemented in a conference call between UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and his New Zealand counterpart Jacinda Ardern after 16 months of talks by negotiators. Jacinda, I just want to say this is a, this is a big moment for for the UK and uh, for our partnership with with New Zealand, and we're absolutely thrilled that we seem to have driven for the line. Uh, we've scrummed down, we've packed tight, and uh, we've together we've got the ball over the line, and uh, we've we have a uh, a deal, and I think it's a great deal. I think it means that. Uh, we will be able to uh, have the benefit of our wonderful New Zealand products uh, even more cheaply than, than before. Australia and Britain have defended their trilateral submarine pact with the U.S. amid concerns it could potentially escalate conflicts in the region and spark a nuclear arms race. At a virtual joint press conference after a meeting with his counterparts in the Five Powers Defence Arrangements, UK Minister for Armed Forces James Heapy said the pact has been overly hyped. There has been uh, a, a lot of sort of overhyping of, of, of AUKUS. It doesn't in any way reflect any sort of uh, reduction uh, in our friendship with uh, our great colleagues and allies in Paris. Uh, it doesn't in any way represent uh, a challenge in your part of the world. South Korea has joined the ranks of space-faring nations after launching its first home-produced rocket. Nuri, meaning world in Korean, successfully deployed a one-and-a-half-ton dummy satellite 800 kilometers above Earth. South Korea plans to launch surveillance, navigation and military satellites. Here's the BBC's Laura Bicker. It's taken 11 years of research and a total cost of $1.6 billion, but South Korea has now officially joined the space race. The country has risen to become the world's 12th largest economy and is a technologically advanced nation, but its space program has so far lagged behind those in China, Japan and India. Its nuclear-armed neighbour, North Korea, also put a satellite into orbit in 2012 in what some Western countries condemned as a disguised missile test. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. 16 district councillors have been disqualified after authorities said the oaths they took were invalid. People must use the Leave Home Safe app to enter government buildings starting from next month. And Louise Ho has been appointed as the new Commissioner of Customs and Excise. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 
Sweat and Tears with Spinning Wheel, penned by the guy, what was his name? <laughs> trying to remember his name now. David Clayton Thomas, that was it. Uh, interestingly enough, there's a line in the song that goes, Ride the Painted Pony. Apparently, according to an interview that he gave, it was inspired by a Joni Mitchell song called The Circle Game, where she sings about seasonal cycles. Painted ponies going up and down. How about that? Into our second hour this Thursday. Really cool here in Hong Kong. Peter King with you, of course, straight to 1 a.m.